Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. They shape markets, but more importantly, they have the opportunity to change the world. Today, we have with us, uh, and, and Inga is going to correct me if I get it wrong, but we have Inga Hagrecht. Is that correct, Inga? That's very good. Very good. I might be able to actually go over to uh, Europe one of these days and, uh, and actually say, say that in the native tongue. But Inga is the Global Vice President responsible for a Responsible Business for Radisson Hotel Group. But she also has also uh, added safety and security into this. And we're going to have a great conversation today, how she actually correlates those three subjects. But just to give you the scope of Inga's uh, responsibility. She has over, what, 1,400 hotels across 115 countries around the world. You are herding cats most of the time, Inga. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's quite a portfolio, yeah, and growing. So, and um, growing, of course. And there's always something going on somewhere, I can tell you. Well, you have a number of different initiatives that you have brought to the table for Radisson Hotel Group, and I can't wait to uh, talk to you about it. There, there's something that's really intriguing, though, if you think about it. How, uh, and, and I use the term intentionally, because you have a program where you're talking about next to think planet, next to think people, next to think community, where you're correlating subjects that normally are thought of in silos. Tell us about what you're doing there. Well, it's actually, um, I, I head up safety and security and responsible business since two years. So I've, I've um, first part of my career was in responsible business. So sustainability and social engagement but actually come to think of it, those subjects are really related. And, and we uh, define these strategies and actions of being a responsible company under these three pillars of think people, think community and think planet. Um, so we have of course ambitious targets in all and the whole safety and security program and actions sit unearthing people, because if you think about it, it's always caring for people, whether they are visiting our hotels, whether they are our employees, or whether they are in our supply chain. So, and the responsibility there, if you care about people in these, you know, three groups, I would say, it covers both social responsibility and safety and security. Now, of course, the whole sustainability side is under what we call Think Planet. That's how we reduce our carbon footprint, our water footprint, and our waste footprint. And it's also how we bring sustainability to our guests in certain um, elements of our value proposition. And then the Think Community side is how do you operate responsibly in the communities where you are, whether we do that through partnerships with the likes of SOS Children's Villages, where we focus on providing local youth with a safe home, um, a better future, or we work on providing employability skills to underprivileged young people in communities. That's actually what we focus on. And now, of course, what we have seen this year, which is an exceptional, strange year in so many ways, everything that has to do with keeping people safe and providing the right 
prevention measures to, um, to prevent COVID in our operations, that's also part of the safety and security program. Absolutely. Well, it's so, so interesting, B. I was talking to another security executive the other day and they go, you know, we often think of safety and security and uh, it, within the four walls of our building or our campus or our company. And yet he goes, really, our security lies in the fabric of our community, too. So for you to have these programs in place, it, uh, it's, it's eventually keeping you more safe and secure. Exactly. And because I had all these fields, I can connect the dots. And it's really about um, risk mitigation, but not just by you know, the safety technology, the security technology, but also by focusing on the long-term and on the fabric of the community, whether it is through water programs or whether it is by making sure that our employees in their communities where they live can also you know, have a safe and, and, a good, uh, and a good home. When you first took on security, what was security's reaction? as a professional discipline? I, th I think you have to ask my team members that. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think um, it had to, I, I knew before my team knew, um, and I'm talking about the safety and security team. So it had time to grow on me and I had to, because before I accepted um, the, this additional role, I, it had to make sense to me. And I had to, understand how these subjects were related. And I do, because I do think that investing in communities and just also investing in mitigating climate change can also mitigate risk on the security side, because you know climate change has led already to indirectly to revolutions in the Middle East. So you know the, the more you bring these subjects together, the more you focus on the long-term and, and what we all want, which is keeping everybody safe and avoiding risk. So it had to make sense to me. Then luckily for my team, who are great experts, uh, and I'm, I'm so happy to have them in the team because we, I couldn't do it without them, is um, that they knew me. They knew me from the sustainability work. They knew um, already what I did. They had met me. I, I knew the team before taking over safety and security. And in a sense, the person who was leading safety and security before was in a kind of same position as I was in terms of wanting to engage the whole organization and you said how distributed that organization is um, in so many countries. So the person who was leading it before was also very much into how do we engage this organization because you can't steer everything from the center. You really have to create a culture. And, and the person was doing that and I'm continuing to do that but we can connect the dots more which is an advantage. So I. I think when they first heard, they probably were a bit shocked, but then we had open conversations on how we could even elevate the level of safety and security in the company more than it was before. It was already at a very good level, but you know, through this synergy, we can do even more and that is positive. I think externally, um, it's quite new to see people who have those combined responsibilities, but you see some. Um, in, in some places, and I know you have interviewed other people who have the same kind of multiple hats. Um, I hear that there is more of an openness more and more to have people who are not necessarily security experts coming out of 
intelligence services or the military or um, law enforcement services uh, coming into this field, but also people with another view. Um, so it's quite new, but I think it's welcomed. It's welcomed. And of course, as I said before, we cannot do it without the experts. We have to have those intelligence experts, those crisis management experts, those safety experts. We need that expertise, but having this broader strategic overview, I think helps also to elevate the field and, and connect the dots. That's well said, well said. And, and now we actually have seen it over the last three months, how they all come together, because you're at a point where sustainability, safety, and security awareness in that distributed environment had to come into play with COVID-19. Tell me about what it's looked like over the last four months. Well, it was quite a ride, I can tell you. <laughs> so um, I must say that between, actually, I, I always tell this story because I think it's so striking for what happened is that I was in Vegas for our annual conference from our America's operations end of February. And on the day where we announced a very ambitious plastic reduction program for our company, on that same day, I got a call of the first COVID-19 infected guest in one of our hotels. So it hadn't happened when the pandemic was in China, but it did happen at that time in Germany and Europe. And that kind of accelerated everything from that moment on into how do we deal with this ever-growing pandemic, which had already been present in our Chinese operations, but they were affected, but we kept it out of the door and successfully. So we didn't have any infected employees in January, beginning of February in China. Um, but then everything accelerated. And it's like we learned from what was happening in China, very much so, uh, in our Chinese operations, but we had to react very fast. We signed up uh, expert uh, epidemiologists, expert labs to help us with this advice, because to be honest, nobody really knew how to handle this, not even the governments in the beginning. Everybody was facing this new and rapidly evolving situation. Uh, from an operational point of view, it ha also had a tremendous impact because we realized really quickly that hotels would need to close. Uh, we had at one point 33% of our portfolio closed. We are at less than 10% now. So it was this roller coaster of escalating the crisis, the crisis escalating up till end of April. And then we, in April, we were already thinking about reopening safely. And that's when we put together all our program for the de-escalation and doing this safely, which we call the Radisson Hotel Safety Protocol, which we do in partnership with SGS, which is a, a large international auditing company. Um, yeah, so it was this escalation phase, the escalation phase, and the full focus on, on health and safety in those months. Uh, and, and that has also elevated the profile of health and safety next to security in the company, I must say, because we needed to. And, uh, you know, you, you go through this crisis, you take, to a certain extent, quick as it is in crises, you don't have time to think, you have to take quick intuitive decisions. And I think, I think we did 
Okay, we did pretty well. And uh, in terms of keeping everyone safe, keeping the assets safe, and, and defining a good reopening strategy. Did any of your pre-planning before the pandemic, because no one in the world expected it, this is a hundred year event, right? But did any of your pre-planning with your domain experts in security and risk and safety, did any of that pre-planning come into play at all for risk management? I think what was very helpful is that we, uh, in, in the time between I took over and, and when this all happened, so in basically 18, 19, what we did a lot was roll out a uniform crisis management process for our organization worldwide, because we, we had managed crises before and we had managed them well, but in terms of terminology, escalation processes, knowing what to do, knowing on what to focus, we really did that in the one and a half years before, you know, under my leadership before COVID happened. And we did a lot of drills. So we did drills, we did exercises, tabletop exercises, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think that helped because it really, it didn't help on the content because the content of COVID was new, I think, to everybody. And that's why we signed up this external party to also advise and help us with everything on procedures to uh, serve infected guests and help them to what do we do when an employee is infected. It didn't really help on the content, but it really helped on the process because our processes turned out to be very efficient on a global scale. So we could bring everybody together, we activated it and we had it going and we involved the right people and we set up the right information processes really quickly. And everybody knew the drill. They knew what to do. They knew who needed to be involved, who to listen to, that there was a more centralized command and control. Yes, you need it and we did it. So that helped. We didn't have to explain that part. We had to dig into you know, all the content and, and, and how to handle things. But how exciting and rewarding for you. Here you spent your first year and a half bringing all these three silos together and to have a mindset in your team that we can handle this. Bring some outside experts in, like you said, because of content. But what I'm getting from you is the mindset was there. We've been drilled. We're ready for this. We just need some outside help on content. Well, it's... Um... I think you do what you have to do when you're in a crisis. Um, I think everybody contributed extremely positively. And, and, you know, we really had this moment of learning from what was already happening in Asia Pacific, looking at, and, and there are difficult moments in this time because you need to take decisions for your company before the governments take them. You had to say, what do we do with travelers coming back from their skiing holidays? you know, uh, employees. What do we do when you have infected guests when the governments didn't really know how to handle it? Um, what do we do when we're asked to be a quarantine hotel? That came up. What do we do? Uh, how can we help? How can we make hotel rooms available for all these essential workers who then are mobilized? But that, that was a relatively easy question. But I think everything to do with the infection and how to handle such questions from government to be overflow capacity. We, we, we still are in some locations, um, let's say additional capacity for mild people without or with mild symptoms. 
uh, who need to quarantine or quarantine for suspect cases. We still are, but we had to define all these processes. And then in terms of reopening, the whole debate on masks has now evolved. But I can tell you in May, it wasn't that evolved. So we had to take decisions on on personal protective equipment lo lo locally, globally, because we're one brand. You need to take consistent decisions for your brand globally. Um, and now, I mean, everything's evolving and we've had um, competitors, colleagues, let's say, uh, take, take very brave stances on these things, but there was a period where this was not all clear and we had to take a decision ourselves. Right. So, um, so I think preparation helped, but we still had to take a lot of decisions in the process. Well, and so that brings me to the next question. We're coming on to the other side of this. Uh, you, you had to learn new things about your team and your policies and your procedures, how, your various communities around the world. So how is that, what is that doing uh, to innovate the next generation of your program? What kind of innovations do you expect may come out of this? Um, I think the first thing is, the good thing is that I, I always say we're still standing and we're standing okay. So uh, it means that we know we can handle a crisis and that our processes work, that's good. Um, I think the future is to companies who innovate. We now did the essentials, meaning we, 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 we did the essentials as part of our Radisson Hotel safety protocol to make sure that all our hotels around the world are doing the essentials to prevent COVID inside their walls. Um, but then if we look into the business future, I, and, and it's not just me saying that, but I think when you look at Euromonitor and other market research institutions, they have clearly uh, highlighted that the traveler, the consumer in the future, they want two things. They want, or they want actually three things. They want a healthy and a safe environment. So health and safety is there to stay in terms of visible measures in hotels, but also in other businesses. It's there to stay and, and, and the consumer needs to be comforted that they can trust the service provider. The second thing is that people want recovery to be green and that's something that comes back over and over again in research, market research that has been done now as we're coming out of this by various institutions. So, so people want to have green and responsible. Uh, and the third thing is that people want to work or want to consume from businesses who treat their people well. So that again is this intersection of responsible business and safety and security. Now we will also, I think the future is also to companies who will innovate in terms of um, installing and looking at technology that can help us in the built environment or in operations to do these things. So if you're talking about contactless rooms, uh, what will that be? How will elevators in the future, I mean, there's the technology is there to have elevators being called by apps on mobile phones, but how do we integrate that into the built environment in hotels? How do we make sure we accelerate um, online uh, check-in, check-out processes and, and, you know, 
it's not going to be from today to tomorrow because of course we have an existing um, building stock around the globe um, but we need to look at these technologies we need to accelerate them it has already accelerated certain developments in our company as well in terms of express check-in express checkout how we deliver food and beverage how people can order food and beverage um, that it's more also uh, delivered and, and then consumed in the room or uh, room service, for example. Um, so I, th I think there's really th this innovation component is, is going to stay and we need to have attention for it. And it's accelerating a lot of processes in terms of innovation. We have, for example, started, uh, we didn't have innovation formalized as such. We were doing innovations, but we didn't formalize it in a, into our company. But now, as part of this coming out of the crisis, we have a group, we look at innovations, first and foremost related to the Radisson Hotel safety protocol, so to prevention of COVID-19, but it will, it will be things that are less immediate in the future. So innovation is there to stay as well. Well, you know, beautiful scorecard that forms the basis of innovation scorecard of healthy and safety, visible healthy and safety standards in a hotel for both your employees and your guests, visible uh, practice of green technologies that makes you a trusted brand, and three, knowing you're taking care of your people. Just that third one alone, does, do you see your people on the ground in the hotels helping you come up with new ideas of innovation and change? Yes, it constantly happens. We have a good system in our, or a good, uh, yeah, system in our in our company, because you know, just to stress this again, a hotel company is actually, um, it's like it's like a network of entrepreneurs, because all these general managers with their teams, in all these countries, sometimes they're the only Radisson hotel in the country. So they have to be innovative. They can't just rely on what the center, the headquarters is telling them. They have to be, they're very entrepreneurial and then very people and service minded. So a lot of the good ideas come from our teams. Um, and what we have set up is a network. We had it for responsible business, so for social and environmental sustainability. We had a network of champions already. We've had it for many, many years which means that every hotel has a responsible business champion who then uh, report into a regional responsible business champion who then report into me. But of course, all that reporting is just dotted lines because all these people have other roles. They are not 100% responsible business dedicated full-time equivalents. Um, so they may be the head chef or they may be the general manager themselves or they may be the head technician or the finance person and you get a wealth of experience into those networks because it's people looking at things from all their different functional angles and therefore you get a lot of contribution to how we can do things better uh, from a responsible business point of view and we have created the same kind of network for safety and security which makes it very easy to also spread certain awareness elements, trainings, cultural 
elements to the entire organization because you have this network of doing regular information sessions with your regional champions of safety and security who do it then with their in their language with the hotels and also there of course in the safety and security world it's less a diverse audience because you always have the safety and security leaders or directors or managers of the hotels involved but you also have properties either due to their local context or due to the size of the property who don't have a dedicated safety and security person or where safety and security is an outsourced service. So there we may have also the general manager generally who then participates in the safety and security conversation. So there's, a, there's also there a lot of ideas that come up from from those teams or, or they tell me when things we are coming up with are not working and we have the network to get that feedback loop because they will make it better or they will suggest something else uh, which which is great one of the things you've done and I, I you know I'm tipping my hat to you what one of the things you've been able to do is by combining sustainability safety and security you have avoided what happens in many other organizations. And that's the attitude of that's not my job. So yeah. security now understands that sustainability and safety is as much of their job as security is. Sustainability, your, your purpose-built champions uh, know that security is important to you as well. So having that mindset, I'm sure, fosters innovation, uh, collegiality, teamwork, and, uh, and, and you need that more than ever because like you said, you can't do it from a central headquarters. You've got to have a distributed network of entrepreneurs and champions uh, in all three domains. Yeah, we do. And I must also say that what we are seeing now, I mean, we're, we were a small team already, but we have some people on furlough. In the hotels, people are furloughed. They operate with a minimal team. People have to do other roles, not just in safety and security or sustainability. I mean, we have dedicated sustainability people in, in the hotels, but they may be asked to do different things and people are asked to be flexible because they work with, sometimes the occupancy is still low in lots of places. So they work with skeleton teams, which means that they need to be flexible and, and we need to instill this culture of responsible business and safety and security. And it's amazing how our teams are involved. We, we, we highlight stories in, a, in a, a, a weekly newsletter from our CEO. And then when you read those stories, it's just amazing how people are, you know, stepping up to the challenge and just being so flexible and, uh, and adaptable to what they need to do. But we need to give them the tools, of course, from the central headquartered to make sure that they have this awareness, that they get this training, that we, we are talking to them, that they know they can talk to us. That's, I think, really another thing which is so essential in instilling the culture of safety and security is that people know they can call me or they can write to me. And it really literally happens, right? I get emails from people in hotels or if they have questions, we have, one of the things we have created is several uh, generic inboxes, easy to remember, so that people know that they can just, if they don't know who to contact, they just write to this email box, but actually it's staffed by, well, me and my small team. 
um, and and we answer and we contact them or we re we refer them to the right person who can help them. And in these kind of times when you're going through a crisis and people need a quick answer and they, you know, they need to know that they can ask because it's better that they ask and we have to maybe, you know, refer them to the right tools or the right person than that they are left on their own and then they think, well, I don't really know or I'm afraid to ask. So, uh, Inga, the, first of all, this time has been fantastic with you. I really appreciate you sharing not only your experiences, but your insights as well. Um, I always ask everyone at the end of the interviews, are you reading anything or listening to anything you'd like to share with your peers and the other members in the community? Actually, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm reading something and I thoroughly enjoy reading it. I think it's a great book but I'm a bit late because most people have already read it. And that's this one. It's uh, Sapiens, Homo Sapiens. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I had it on my list to read it for a long time. And uh, I actually started reading it now uh, in, yeah. in the lockdown and everything. Yeah, um, yeah there's a couple of other books I, I still want to read. But uh, this one, and then, of course, I want to read uh, Deus, Homo Deus as well, uh, the, the next one. Right. Right, but I I realize I'm a bit late. But uh, it's okay. It's okay, and we'll have to touch base with you later after you you get through it. It's a big book. Yeah, yeah, and then there's another book I'm reading, on and off. It's a uh, it's actually also been published a while ago, and that's about the a very good overview about the history of uh, Congo DRC which is actually the only uh, former Belgian colony, but it's been um, a book that has received many awards because it's the first time that the history and the sociological developments have been described in such a clear way. So that's also a very... Um, For you uh, community members, uh, that makes sense because Inga is from Belgium, just ever exactly. so knows. Absolutely, yeah. we didn't bring that out. And one more thing, a, a membership-driven community uh, with a round table. There's no head of the table. Who would you like us to interview next at the Great Conversation? Whoa, I have to... I have Get to back think. to me on that one. <laughs> I it have to think about that be, one. It could be someone else at the Radisson Hotel Group. It could be someone in one of the three domains that you've been able to bring together. Someone maybe that you have always wanted to uh, know and get to know and ask them mm -hmm. questions about what they do. Anything yeah. at all come to mind or would you like to get back to me? Let, let me think about that. I think there's many people I admire and many people who did an amazing job you know, through through this uh, this crisis, I would say so. So let me give it a think, and then I'll I'll certainly uh, drop you a note with some suggestions. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation uh, with Inga with the Radisson Hotel Group. You members who are going to get back on the road, let's see if we can uh, uh, visit one of her to hotels around the world and. Uh, contribute to her success in the future. Inga, thank you for a great conversation. Thank you so much, Ron. A pleasure being here and a pleasure being part of the, the membership.